Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, special edition on the broadcast today. We had Dr. Robert Godfrey, one of our conference speakers, come and speak at our joint service along with Cloverdale uh, this uh, last Lord's Day. And so we have taken his message and split it up for your enjoyment. We hope it blesses you and we hope it helps you to see God's glory in a greater way. First uh, Samuel chapter 21. And so if this sermon is over before six o'clock, you can read that this afternoon. Um, It's a very dramatic moment in the Old Testament. Uh, David is fleeing from Saul with some of his supporters, and they're hungry. They don't have anything to eat. They've been on the run. And they come to the tabernacle. And David knows that in the holy place of the tabernacle, there's the showbread that's put before the Lord to represent the presence of the people before God and the willingness of God to feed and provide for his people. And David says, we're hungry. We're really hungry. We're starving. And we know you have bread, he says that to Abiathar the priest. Give us the bread. Now, the law very clearly and explicitly says that bread is only to be eaten by the priests. But Abiathar gives it to David, and he and his men eat, and they are sustained to go on their way serving the Lord. David has already been anointed as the true king of Israel. He's being opposed by the false king, Saul, and he's now been strengthened by the bread to do his work. So was the breaking of the law in that case right or wrong? That's the question that Jesus puts to the experts in the law. And how do they answer? Any of you who are teachers have occasionally been in this situation where you're teaching a class and you ask a perfectly reasonable question and you're greeted with deafening silence. Everybody's staring at the floor, hoping the teacher won't call on you. Nothing from these teachers of the law. Nothing from these experts. This is their essential failure exposed by Jesus. They claim to know everything, and they don't know what they're talking about. They're asked a question of the law, and they don't have an answer. And so Jesus has an answer. Uh, Jesus has an explanation for them. Jesus has a remarkable statement for them about how the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. We'll come back to look at that answer some more. 
But Jesus isn't done with them and his teaching on the Sabbath. And so we have another episode where Jesus is in a synagogue on the Sabbath. We don't know if it's the same Sabbath or another Sabbath. It doesn't really matter. But there's a man there with a withered hand. And the Pharisees are there. And the Pharisees are there with a question in their hearts. And the question in their hearts is, will he dare heal on the Sabbath day? Will he dare do that? And Jesus knows the question in their hearts. He has the man with a withered hand come to him, and then he says, chapter 3, verse 4, says to the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? What a question. Is it right to do good on the Sabbath? Shouldn't the answer be obvious? Is this a hard question? The first question may have been a hard question, but the second question isn't a hard question, is it? Is it right to do good on the Sabbath? And again, they say nothing. They refuse to speak. They're completely quiet. They claim to be teachers in Israel. They claim to be those who will teach the Word of God to the people of God, and here they say nothing. And what do we read? It's very interesting, isn't it? That Jesus is angry. I don't know how often we think of Jesus as angry, but Jesus is angry here. Why is he angry? He's angry because these Pharisees have claimed to be something they're not. They have refused to recognize what they really are. And they are only there to oppose God and his ways. And it's interesting, we read, Jesus is not only angry, but he's sad. He's sad at the hard-heartedness of the Pharisees. Because he wants to do good on the Sabbath. He wants people to recognize that's what the Sabbath is all about. And he's sad that these teachers refuse to see that. These leaders, these responsible people have refused to do that. And Jesus, you see, is teaching us about the real meaning of the law of the Sabbath. That's what he's doing here. And he's doing that by contrast, contrasting who he is and what he's doing with the Pharisees. And it's as if he's saying to these Pharisees, now look at this situation a minute. In your own law, in your own history, Holy King David broke the law for a higher purpose. He and his men were on a holy mission. They needed bread. The only bread was the bread of the presence. So a rather minor element of the ceremonial law could be violated to serve the greater purpose of strengthening God's anointed king for his holy mission. And Jesus is implicitly saying, 
I'm the holy king on a holy mission with my supporters, and I have not violated the law. It was not the law that forbade what the disciples had done with those handful of grain. It was the Pharisees' elaboration and tradition on the law. And what Jesus is criticizing here is not the law of the Sabbath, but false applications of that law. And so Jesus is not for a minute granting that he has broken the law, but he is saying, in effect, even if some small matter of the law had been broken in the interests of the greater mission, our history shows that's okay. But Jesus is saying, I have not broken the law, but I am correcting your misunderstanding of the law. They have been false teachers. Turning the law of God, which was meant to be a delight and a help to the people of God, into a burden and into a grief. They had turned the law of God, which was given to a people who had been redeemed by the gracious action of God, into the means by which the people were to be redeemed by keeping that law in all of the Pharisaic particularities. And Jesus says, you've just messed everything up. You have not understood the law. You have not understood the law of the Sabbath. You have not understood what God was about in giving the law of the Sabbath. And he sums that up wonderfully here doesn't he, when he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is, God gave man the Sabbath as a blessing, as an encouragement, as a gift, as a help. He didn't create man to be the slaves of some law of the Sabbath as the Pharisees defined it. They've turned everything on its head. They've made the Sabbath the really important thing, and man made in the image of God a secondary thing. Whereas Jesus is saying, God made us in his own image and gave us a Sabbath to help us, not to dominate us and enslave us. Now, what's important to see here is Jesus has said not one word against the law of the Sabbath. The criticism here is entirely against the Pharisees' misunderstanding of the Sabbath. And this is critical for our understanding. Because Jesus says not a word here about doing away with the Sabbath. He does say he's Lord of the Sabbath. We'll come back to that. But he's not saying, as Lord of the Sabbath, I'm doing away with the Sabbath. Indeed, one could argue, I think should argue, that when he says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, it shows the continuing relevance of the Sabbath. So if this is the law of the Sabbath, what is the life of the Sabbath? What does it mean 
to really understand the Sabbath commandment? Well, it means the Sabbath is to be seen as a day of good, as a day of blessing, as a day of encouragement. It is a day of rest from our ordinary work so that we can turn our minds and our hearts to the Lord. So we have time for God. We need time for God and with God. That's why we're here, isn't it? We recognize that left to ourselves, we can waste our time. Or left to ourselves, we can even fill up our days with relative goods, but drive God out of our lives because we're so busy with other things. And God has said, it is good that you should be busy with things. It is, it is good that you should get on with your life. Uh, it is good that you should have family and friends and work. And I give you six days for that. But the Lord says, you also need me. You need time with me. You need to focus on me. And so I have a day where you can focus on me. And a day in which you can do good. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day? This man who had not been able to labor for six days because his hand was not useful. And now Jesus has has liberated him from this serious liability in his life so that this man can more fully live his life six days a week and hopefully more fully praise God on the Sabbath day for God's mercy. And it really is infuriating, isn't it, that some people would stand and say, that's a terrible thing to do. That's a terrible thing to do. 